Howdy, folks. Andrew Bray here, son of your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hi, Mom. Hi, Andrew. Oh, I <laughs> I am so lucky I get to talk to you and share with you some amazing people. It's yeah, you're you're bubbling. Like folks can't see your face right now, but you're like you're so excited to talk about your next person on the podcast. So I'm just gonna let you loose. Tell us a little bit about Natalie Reeves Billing. Oh Natalie, she's Mary Poppins, by the way. In my eyes, she's <laughs> everything about her is so wonderful. I've I got a tour of her barn. Her barn is her studio, the place she comes alive. She has she has places in her barn where she has the space. She has a jungle. She has unbelievable. And I ho- I, I just want you to learn more and see more about her. Plus, you have to learn about her books. And uh, I, I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to say. I want you to, I want you to learn about her and, and enjoy this podcast with Natalie and me. Uh, oh my gosh. I cannot believe how excited you are. And let's... <laughs> <laughs> we now you know I my giggle isn't he inherited that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy your conversation with Barbara Bray and Natalie Reeves Billing. I'm pretty excited. I'm all the way in the UK <laughs> with someone. I've been talking to you and I just adore. I'm so excited to have you here, Natalie. Hey, me too. I'm I'm absolutely delighted that we've got to do this at last. We've been talking about it for a while, haven't we, Barbara? Oh, back and forth. And and we already had we did do a Zoom before and <laughs> I was giggling and laughing with you and I said, wait a minute, stop, stop. We have to do this on my podcast. <laughs> so I forgot to introduce you to my audience. Welcome, Natalie Reeves Billing. You live in Liverpool. Do you know that I once saw the Beatles? <laughs> no, you can't mention Liverpool without the Beatles, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no. But but what I learned about from you is that you are an inspirational teacher. You are the most creative author. You're a lyricist. You you write songs. We're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And you're a social entrepreneur. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Well, we're going to get into all of that. but And then you just won. It, it's the um, Gold and Silver UK Mums, TV's Mums Choice Awards winner for 2020. It's yeah. for your Monstrous Me children's book series, Ben and the Bug. Okay, that took a lot to say, but that was really... <laughs> well done. <laughs> Those are beautiful. We're going to talk about these, and I just want my audience to know all about you because, one, your books are great. People have to get your books, and but also they need to know about you. There's so much more that <laughs> I found when we talked before, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'd love you to just do an overview of you that I might have missed. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, maybe the bits that are missing is just, I guess, what makes me tick. I'm a very quirky person. I'm a bit haphazard. I I sort of just meander around and feel the vibes and go where the flow takes me. Um, So I'm (laughs) I'm really that sort of person. And I'm the sort of person that is out and about and all of a sudden something will just strike me and like bring me almost to tears. You know, I'm quite a sentient person anyway. I just go around looking for inspiration and it could be just the way that the trees move or a scent that grabs me. 
And I guess it's a phase of life that you move into where you suddenly appreciate everything. I'm just there at the moment and absorbing it all up and putting it into my work. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I needed this today so oh. bad. <laughs> I I love that. It's right. We all have to figure out that we're here in this moment. Mm-hmm. We might as well cherish it. Yes. Oh, so, <laughs> so beautiful, Natalie. You're, you're just wonderful. So you did you grow up in Liverpool? We have these rows of terrace houses that Liverpool is quite famous for. It's uh, streets and streets of similar houses, very small, all together with tiny little gardens on the front. And everyone pops out and talks to each other over the wall. Um, everyone knows each other and each other's business. You know, it, we grew up in that sort of working class area. And so we could travel all around the area in gangs of kids, you know, just out on the streets. And yeah, I mean, it was a lovely place. It had a reputation of being a bit rough, but I didn't see any of that. I think it's an outsider's point of view. And But when you're in that community, you don't see those things. And when you're a child, you see what you want to see, don't you? You see the the joyous bits. (laughs) Well, if we could just get that childish, you remember what it's like to be a child because we become, uh, sometimes as adults, we forget that we can play and we can be happy and we can see things, like you said, enjoy each moment. So You have to learn the best bits and unlearn the bits that, the bad bits you've learned along the way, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. So what was it like for you as a student? Well, actually, I always wish I have this alternative lifestyle that I've lived like that didn't really happen, which is this one that went to university, went to Oxford and all these sorts of things. But that didn't happen for me. You see, Uh, for me, I went to college. I left school quite early at 15 and went to do my college, uh, my A-levels, I suppose, in college uh, because I felt like I was just grown up already and uh, I didn't really have any boundaries uh, that were put on me. So I, I pretty much felt like a grown-up that was ready to go out in the world. But I did my A-levels and then I just started university. Um, and within a month of being on my first year university, my band, as we had a little band that was going, a little group, I was the only girl and there were four boys backing me up and I was the singer. And we got a record deal in, in the US. So uh, I left university straight away, ah. just one month in. And never went back. I went down an entrepreneurial path. And then all of my qualifications that came were work-based ones that enhanced my positions that I chose to be, you know, fulfilling at particular moments in my life. So I've had a very strange life in in the way that it's so varied. I've done lots of creative things. That's been the consistent thing. But I've also done really random things like uh, witness statements for road traffic accidents. and. I owned a recycling plant. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a big, like, tangled web, but, you know, all part of the makeup of me, I guess. Wow. What was your band's name? We were called Chioni, which meant the goddess of snow. But then when we were there, obviously, people were saying, well, where did this title come from? And then just when we were about to change our name and go down a different path, the record label um, went bust. And so... Our dreams were shattered and left on the floor of Hollywood and Vine. And we left them there and come back to Liverpool with heavy hearts. 
ready to try something else? Oh, you could have been, I mean, darn, that's sad. I, would, I know. But, oh, that's really cool that you did that, though. How long was that? Was that a long time? I mean, what age were you? Um, I was, uh, I suppose, 21 till about 24. So we, we used to have work oh. and go back and forth from Los Angeles to to Liverpool. So, yeah, I mean, it was the internet was in its sort of infancy. And so, you know, the, we couldn't get as much traction as we would have done now. Oh, my gosh. The things that we could have talked about now on social media platforms. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when we came back after the record label went bust, I felt like when I was in a bar or in a club with my friends and we were talking, I was very much aware that my stories sounded made up. They were just too incredible to be real. And so I thought, no, I'm one of those losers that talk nonsense in the bar. I'm not going to mention <laughs> anything. I mean, I, how can I say that I've been to Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch? Now, how can I say that at the time I'd been there, I'd visited it, I'd seen this, I'd been invited there. And you you go back and you're at the bar with a load of people that you grew up with and you think, I'm not going to even say that. That just sounds like a big load of nonsense. You, you know? just said it. I know, I just said it now. I'll own it You now. just said it. I'm putting <laughs> it on the internet. You were in Neverland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll never go. Did you have a label? I mean, did you have a, a cover? Uh, yes, we, uh, we <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask for it. You know that <laughs> you can find it bargain bins at Barnes and Noble, I believe even now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to look, I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh my goodness. That I did not expect that. That is amazing. So what did you do next after that? Recycling. <laughs> Oh, you said that recite. How, okay. How did that happen? How did- oh my goodness. Right. Well, do you know, sometimes if it's like when you're a musician and your whole life is that, it felt like I'd been in a really long-term relationship with music, like a sort of the, that love and that, you know, the ups and downs of the whole journey. And so when that was like kind of torn from me, it just hurt too much at that moment in the, the, the phase I was in to still work in that area. So I thought, what am I going to do that is just completely different from this? <laughs> and so like my friend uh, who I love, he gave me away at my wedding, actually. Um, my best friend, Yemi, he's a Nigerian dude and he's like my best friend ever. And he um, he said to me, do you want to come and back me up on this new venture I've got going on? said, well, what's it all about? He said, electronics and clothing <laughs> recycling. So, yes, I'm in. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> oh, so, so did you have a store or what did you do? How did you do recycling then? Well, we had a huge processing plant in an industrial area of Liverpool, um, which kind of broke down all the TVs into their basic components. Uh. And then I did a work-based um, program, which allowed me to uh, be an on-site operative for a waste management facility. Uh, so, and one of my biggest uh, moments, the highlights of the of those garbage days, were when I was labelled the garbage queen of, uh, <laughs> in the September edition of the Waste Management magazine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> 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 this is okay. This is really, 
I know. I we we talked about some things, but I didn't know you were the garbage queen. <laughs> I got to wear a hard helmet, and so that's the thing. I mean, I looked really good in a hard helmet and a high vis jacket. Did you save that edition? I think I've got it around somewhere. It was my proudest <laughs> moment. I was one of the most popular people at waste management conferences for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Do they know what you're doing now? I mean, I'm just curious. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you you kind of, you know, you collect your friends as you go and they meet you at different phases, don't they? And then they disappear at different phases. And then they're always surprised when they realize what sort of life you've lived since then and you fill in the gaps for them. I mean, I just met a... Uh, a guy who I used to go out with when I was about 19. And now we're working together on a, on a selection of books about environmental factors, about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Oh, cool. I remember I said to him, I've just got to tell you, when we first met, I thought you were the most boring guy I'd ever, see, I'd ever met. <laughs> but now, oh my gosh, your expertise is just perfect for this moment. So it's like, I don't know, people are gifts, aren't they? They come along. It might not be the right time to receive that gift. But at some point, you're going to open the present and think, yes, this is a gem. <laughs> That's actually a quote that is really cool that you just said. I'm going to probably t- listen again and try to grab that quote. Oh, yeah. That was okay. really, that was perfect. Oh, <laughs> well, I do work with the SDGs, so we'll talk a little later. Oh, yes, that, please do. Yes. So you have a family. I do. Did, where did, when did that come in? When, when did you start that? Well, um, I'd never thought that that sort of route would happen for me because I was a very random person. I was really selfish. I wasn't nasty, but I was selfish. Uh, I valued my time and, you know, not having any pattern or routine. But in actual fact, I did suffer with some low moments then because I didn't have a routine. In actual fact, it should I should have had some sort of regiment underpinning everything that I did. And so uh, the best thing I did was meet Mr. Sensible, my husband. He is so sensible. And I was just so done with all the creative guys who could write the best song about you and describe your face perfectly. But when it comes to actually, you know, planning for what you're going to do with your money and how you're going to invest it and how you're going to plan for your pension and all these things, they last lame at that. And so I thought, I need the other side of this. I need the sensible side I need someone to calm me down. And uh, and so really we've learned to meet in the middle. And I was, I was a very up and down sort of person, very, I suppose, impulsive. And I needed to change some aspects of myself. And when we came together, I feel as if I've become a much more well-rounded person. I'm more, you know, I'm, I'm patient and I've got a family. I never thought that that would happen. I never thought I'd be in the frame of mind to say I was ready to take that level of responsibility But once that happened, I had three months where I thought, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And I knew that I couldn't give it back. But (laughs) after that, um, best thing I ever did. It it just made me realize, well, I guess what life is really about. It makes you put yourself, I guess, not, not so much in second place, but you realize that there's more to it than you. There's just so much more to it. And once you recognize that, the importance of self, but the importance of family, you start to realize the importance of other people in your network as well. And then the world at large and then the planet. And so I guess it works in those stages. Love yourself, love your immediate family, love the world, love the people. And before you know it, you're in that thing that people are always talking about, that connection. You know, 
you're feeding off what's coming to you, thinking you gifts are landing in your lap and you're giving out just at the right time. And I feel like I'm there. I feel like I've opened up whatever transmitter I'd closed all my life and I'm giving out and I'm receiving. So I'm in a, a really good place. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. So you have two children. I do. Yes. Nathaniel and Ellie Rose. They're Ellie eight Ro- and seven. Oh, <laughs> eight and seven. Nathaniel and Ellie Rose. I love that. Yeah, she's a what they call a chip off the old block. She's just like me. She's a she lives in a fantasy world. She's super sentient and oh, she's just such a beautiful child and she's got the most amazing vocabulary. Sometimes she just floors you with her words. You're like, whoa, no way you didn't just say that. That is so poignant. <laughs> Let me write that down. And then you've got Nathaniel, he is his dad through and through. He's like a professor. He just, he's very linear. He's very black and white. You know, he's the type that when, when we were all, you know, when they were growing up and we were on the, on the mat pretending, oh, this mat is a magic carpet. Today we're going to go to India and we're going to see what's going on. And I was like, we're not moving, mummy. We're just, we're just still in the living room, you know. <laughs> It's like, oh, just imagine, use your imagination. But no, he is well and truly just in the moment, looking at things the way they are, keeping it real. Well, that's two sides of, uh, you know, (laughs) that's really great. And that's the name of my social enterprise, Split Perspectives. I've got the perfect example at home. (laughs) Well, let's go there. Tell me about your social enterprise, if you're okay. Yeah, I didn't open it at the best time. I opened it in February of 2020. Um, And so, as you can imagine, I had all plans for funding and projects and stuff, and the funding then became very COVID-focused. And then I decided that the work that I wanted to do, which is focused on early years and mental well-being, so starting with a keen sense of self for youngsters um, and a belief in themselves and who they are, discovering themselves through storytelling and creativity. Um, And I thought the work I wanted to do with the youngsters and families at large so important. I didn't want it to stall behind waiting for funding. So I decided to fund it myself and to put my money where my mouth was. So I had a really great idea for a project. I started it rolling. I designed all of the templates and the activities and the boxes and the kits. And um, we're running our first part funded, part financed project starting in March, which delivers uh, boxes, creativity boxes called Build a Book. So I pay for local authors' work to go in the box so it supports community. And then we make paper crafts of the characters and the props and the scenery from the books. And the children will build the scenes and the set from the books in their box, like a little theatre. So Ah. it brings the stories to life. That's what we're doing. So a new way to get at the core content of story and to enjoy time with family in an inexpensive way. Oh, those are beautiful. It reminds me of dioramas. Yeah, like a diorama. Is it like that? Is it like a diorama? Yeah. Will they be available in the States and other places? Or Well, hopefully one day, but at the moment we're piloting a Merseyside-based project, which is okay. here, the greater area where I'm from. And um, from there, we'll see how that went, iron out any creases and then see what the commercial side of it looks like. Uh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> we kind of, we went off a little bit because I was going to 
start talking about your writing and, oh, and okay. you know, but, but this is so cool. What was the name of it again? The social enterprise. What's the name? The title? Uh, it's called split perspectives. It's spelled oh. in a funky kind of way with a split perspective. So v z. Oh yeah. You know, oh. I'm, cause I'm cool and all that. <laughs> you are. <laughs> 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 well, I knew that your, you know, your vision and your mission was always, you know, to help to be there. You know, you you kind of went in that direction. Is that kind of what started with, the, how did it start with the books, the blog, the writing, the singing, the, I'm kind of like, you're kind of this, is, is you have so much about you that I, I, I just would love to bundle it, you know? The social enterprise side of it started with a series of books I had called The Bubs. And I didn't, I haven't even got to release those yet. They're like little creatures with letters on the front of them, like that were teaching phonics to children. And I, I went to a school of social entrepreneurs and said, I really want to do something with literacy, but I want to do a social enterprise to do with early years. And they guided me through. So I got accepted onto the program with Lloyd's Bank. So it was a, a big deal, a bit like a dragon's den. I had to pitch and do all sorts of things with this project. And they said, we really love this idea. Come and join our School of Social Entrepreneurs and uh, we will mentor you and give you a pot of money uh, to try and build and develop that. So at the end of that, I developed all the skills that I needed to launch my social enterprise. And then hopefully this year, I'll go on to the Trade Up program, which comes with a nicer pot of money for the social enterprise and again, mentoring and development to get it to the next stage, the scale up stage. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was just all excited about what you've already done. I, I'm just really, really excited about what you're going to do now. This is just amazing. Well, I'm always looking for projects. So I've had to be harsh on myself in what they accept, what projects I'm doing, because I'm very excited about ideas. I love ideas. I just, I have a, I wish I could show you. I'll show you later. But I have a book for everything. I have notebooks. I'm a bit obsessed with notebooks and pads. And I have one for everything. So I have one for every one of my ideas. And I have to work out where they are. And I can only write in the specific book that it's for. So, oh, I see. I have a Google Drive with a folder. Oh, yeah. I I have. It's so big that I had to. (laughs) Okay. She just showed me a quill with a feather on it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so we're going to, I think I'm going to grab a video of you because we're going to talk about uh, some other things, but I still want to go back to the books. Yes. You have some amazing books. Thank you. You want to tell us about, I mean, you have that one book that you won. Well, actually, you got this award that I mentioned, the Mum's Choice Award for 2020. Yes. Tell us about how you even started with those books. Okay, so I'll reach down and grab it. So I have the Monstrous Me collection, uh, which I will send some photographs to your blog for so you can post them. Um, Yes. The Monstrous Me collection is split perspective books. So basically they follow the ethos of my social enterprise, which is that by exploring perspectives and other people's perspectives and how they differ and how stories can vary depending on who's telling them, that we can learn acceptance for ourselves and for each other, the the fact that we are all different and that's okay. Um, So we don't always have to be right. And sometimes there's more than one interpretation of of a story. So 
it's a child's very first look at that two sides to the story concept. So they actually flip upside down. You read through the mum's eyes, then you read through a child's eyes and you flip them at the midway point. So it it shows a a monster first being the child and then a monster being the parents in the second half. And the books are always accompanied by activities like paper crafts and masks to make. So just extra ways of accessing the content for children who perhaps aren't as you know word-based or even picture-based they might like it to come through it via song or via craft so I just want to cater for everyone it's meant to be about inclusion oh and we need that now yeah (laughs) I I definitely want to get pictures and and the idea of it flipping so it's the same book it's one book but it Mm -hmm. flips with it's the the kids are the monsters from right yeah and what the parents point of view and then it's the parents are the monsters from the kids yeah. point of view <laughs> I <Yeah>. love <laughs> it's so good because uh, I think um and I love the pictures I love the yeah. illustrations and everything about it so definitely you're going to share that it's available all over it's on Amazon I saw it it is at the moment I've got the uh, paperback version on Amazon um but I'm trying to work out the headache that is becoming an Amazon affiliate so that I can sell the hardback flipbook version on Amazon as well. But at the moment, the hardback flipbook is only available via my own website store, but not soon. Soon I will work out how to become that Amazon affiliate, but we'll see. (laughs) It's a bit of a minefield. I hope so. I know it's difficult because of you're also out of the country and you're trying to get it. It would be really difficult to ship. Yes. To people here. <laughs> so <laughs> very expensive. Yeah. So, oh, I hope that we can get some because I, I know some young children that would love it. Oh. <laughs> it would be <laughs> wonderful. You also have this ben, uh, ben and the Bug. What is that? Yes. Ben and the Bug, I wrote just beginning of the first lockdown. Um, and it was in response to hearing how nervous parents were and children were about this unknown out there in the world you know this thing they don't know where it is or when it's going to come they don't know what it's going to do or where it's going to end up you know how it's going to escalate and so I just kept it very clear very precise but I had a fictitious journey of a boy who meets a bug who's basically the coronavirus bug and how he realizes that the bug is not intending to harm us he's just going around interacting with the world around him and you know, basically spreading his love along with his germs. But, you know, there are little to-do boxes and action boxes which tell the facts around it, but I've kept it very clear and precise. So just focusing on the things that youngsters can actually do and not on the things that they have no control of. When I'd circulated it amongst professionals and, you know, medical experts beforehand to get their opinion on it. Um, And so I I made sure I did all my, you know, my work on it, make sure it's not going to be outdated uh, so I kind of future-proofed it and made sure I didn't go too much in detail. But yeah, that that's had an amazing response here. It's used as a resource for schools and community hubs. So oh well, right now we're we still have schools trying to figure out if they're going to open or do virtual or hybrid. Even though our numbers are really crazy here, um, yeah. and so there's a lot of confusion in what to say to kids. Yeah. I would love that book. Is that one available? 
Yeah, that definitely is. And okay. um, the thing is, lots of people have said just what you've just said, which is it's an it's a conversation opener. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it prompts the conversation you want to have with them and it kind of lays the, the path for that. So, you know, it gives people ideas of what they can talk to kids about and it's not standing there going, hmm, where am I going to begin with this conversation? And the pictures are so beautiful and, you know, the the bug is given a face. So instead of thinking of this unknown terror that's outside, you, the child can actually imagine this gawky looking bug that I've designed and, you know, think of it more that way. There's nothing that we can do about it as long as we're doing the basics that we've been told. Mm-hmm keep ourselves safe. Well, it's a safe way to talk about it yeah. with young children because it's it's really difficult for some people. They just say, I don't want to talk about it at all. And then <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but the kids are hearing things. <laughs> we have to say something. So no, yeah. we're going to do a little video later, but I still want to talk about your farmhouse okay. uh, in the podcast because I'm sitting here and looking at this beautiful room behind you. Um, you have redesigned your whole farmhouse because of why why did you do this and explain it and yeah I mean my my house is uh I have a a main house I guess which is like something that you would see on oh I don't know down if you went into the villages of Downton Abbey you know I don't know if you've ever seen that over there but we have period dramas here um (laughs) it's not the big stately one if that's what it's not it's not that far, but if you went into the village in Downton Abbey, it would be what you'd expect to see there. Uh, so we have the standalone house, which is, you know, just the, the space where we do our family stuff. But then we have the stable house. So we have a courtyard at the back, which is all surrounding mm-hmm. the, the back of the house. And um, so we've converted our barn into part of the house, merged them into sort of an L shape, if you like. Um, so that forms the side of the courtyard. But on the other side of the courtyard, there is the stable house, which is where I am at the moment in this room in my writing den. And that that I've given my free range to. I've got nobody telling me what I can do with it. So it just kind of started with one room and then sort of spread. <laughs> it just as I started, you know, where I get itchy feet when I'm looking at something and I imagine something and then it just appears. So things down low from my head and appear in actuality around me. Um so I imagined my writing den as a as a jungle, as like a sort of cabin, uh, like a shack in the middle of nowhere. And so I made that. So that's my writing den. And I feel so at home here. And I made my door into a swing bridge. So when I look at my door, it looks like I could just do a bit of an Indiana Jones and go over to the <laughs> Temple of Doom over there, <laughs> which is great because I could always do that at any moment if I wanted to. Um and then I have all my music set to uh, different ambient uh, moods. So I can, I've got them all programmed depending on how I feel. And so when I leave this room, I've got another room, which is like a jungle soft play room, but for adults. So, <laughs> so basically we can hop about on space hoppers. We can beat the hell out of each other with balls in the ball pit. Um, we can swing on things, beat each other with things, whatever. Um, it's a bit it's a bit of fun and you can just lay around looking at the scenery, looking at the parrots on the ceiling. And then I've got my dressing room where all of my petticoat Mary Poppins dresses are all on mannequins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and then I've got my space room, which is a bit like uh, something out of uh, Star Trek. Uh, but also a bit like 
I don't know. It's like somewhere where Captain Kirk would have met those fancy women, you know, because it's got a bit of pink <laughs> in it with the silver. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit glittery. Well, it's because you wanted, it's what you imagined. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice place, you know, one way you want to go. Uh, yeah. And I've got a castle, an enchanted forest. Uh, of course. Of course. Yeah. You yeah. have to have a. <laughs> I've run out of rooms for the time being, so I'm a bit sad about that. <laughs> You can always change some things, I guess. <laughs> so do you, do you, um, when you said you had the Mary Poppins in there, do you have a show or something or do you, cause you might, might miss people. I mean, how do you bring people into your, into your barn? Well, what happens is if I have an event and it's about a specific book, um, I will wear that dress with those designs on. So I have all my characters and my illustrations on my dresses and uh, I appear in those dresses depending on what, theme it is or I might have a more Halloween type dress or I might have a more summery spring type dress but they're all the same design so I don't I don't hand out business cards I always say I wear them (laughs) (laughs) do you make them no my best friend does which makes it more uh much more special if you like we grew up together and she was always the fairy princess I mean she was right from the beginning she was a Disney princess you know she even married Prince Charming. So she's the whole thing. <laughs> I was the dark witch from the woods, staring my pot <laughs> and potions, cackling. Oh, okay. What's your best friend's name? We just have to give her a shout out. She's called Claire with a K. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> she does beautiful work. Well, does. yeah. So this is, I am just, I look at all the things you do. You write. I looked at your website. We're going to share that because it's some unbelievable. We're going to share your books. And and uh, then we're going to have to look at uh, some of, eventually, the creativity boxes. And do you ever sleep? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, do you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend about this, but I guess I didn't realize how much I was the sort of person that, uh, thrives in adversity. Um, there's a, I have huge pressures that I put on myself to move forwards in my life. I guess it comes from a fear of proving myself. It's like a, it's a fascination with trying to move ahead, uh, based on the things I think I should have done at an earlier age. So I have this dreadful fear of failure. And so, um, I've always had it hanging over me, but sometimes it can become uh, like a block, if you like, because you build yourself up so much that you don't actually end up doing the things that you need to do. This was probably two years ago now. But once the pandemic came, it kind of gave me a massive excuse to opt out if I wanted to. I could say, oh, just leave it for a year. But in actual fact, because that pressure was off, I worked harder than I ever did. Isn't that amazing? I found that happening with a lot of people and myself yeah. included. Yeah, it's yeah. like it gave us opportunities because now we're kind of uh, we're socially distanced, but yes. physically distant from. I mean, I don't know if you would have people come into your, you yeah. know, now you're not right. And I'm shaving a lot of time wasting off by not having to go to these places in the towns, in the cities, and traveling on the train, which could take half a day. In that time, I've had three, four meetings, and maybe also done an essay. Um, so I think that there are things about this that have permanently changed, at least for me. I can't talk for anyone else, but I, it will make me appreciate the moments where we are together a lot more, but be more selective of those moments. I'd love to kind of go on 
all day with you because I love this. But this is kind of what happened to me. I mean, I found that um, I'm valuing the time I have with people, even on Zoom or a phone call or Twitter, wherever I am, I'm really valuing that time that someone wants to have with me. Yeah, me too. I didn't even realize. I mean, when you said, hey, I'd love to do this. I went, oh my gosh, I'm so so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm exactly the same. It it does make you appreciate your friends and your contacts much, much more. Um, But, you know, also it's reshaped the way I used to see virtual things. Whereas Mm -hmm. I used to think there was no soul there because we've had to do this. We've had to figure out a way to put soul in it. And I found that whereas at the very beginning of the pandemic, I didn't feel that I could get the same interaction and feeling into, you know, to inject that sort of connection that you have when you're in a face-to-face scenario. But quite contrary to that now, I've had lots of moments where I felt a genuine connection and I felt genuinely intrigued, connected and attached to somebody. And I feel like I've made some really great friends and it doesn't matter whether it's virtually or not that magic, the energy is there, you know, and it does uh, travel across the way, you know. Well, we just had some magic. I just feel it. Yeah, I I feel it. I mean, I, one, I'm going to find that wreck. (laughs) I want to hear your band now. (laughs) And (laughs) I want to see the picture of you as, you know, the garbage queen. I mean, come on. You you are so fun. You made my whole day. This was just amazing. The one thing is, is that I wouldn't have had this time probably. Yeah. If we didn't. I mean, I I don't want to say this is a sad thing that we've had this pandemic. But it has brought me closer to people than I ever thought. Yeah. You've expanded your family all across the world. Same with you. Yeah. And and you're starting as a social entrepreneur. You keep expanding what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much for this time. It's just, oh, thank you. Oh, it touched it's, my heart. And it's just what I need. And here we've gone into the dark night at the moment. So here it's, you know, a little after half past four and it's dark outside. And usually oh. usually I'd start feeling a bit bleak and like looking furtively left to right to listen for noises and stuff like that. But now while we're on this this call, you know, none of that, you know, I don't feel the night pressing in on me. I feel like I'm in my vibe and you know. It's it's beautiful. Oh, thank you so much, Natalie. And well, we're going to have to have some more talks. We will. Sure. <laughs> oh, take care. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Thank you. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Natalie Reeves Billing. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with this podcast about Natalie. And it's on my Rethinking Learner website. It includes her story growing up in Liverpool. She has these amazing books with characters and activities. She's what she calls a social entrepreneur. There's so much more. Oh, just make sure you go there and check it out. You can subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net to receive announcements, updates, and you can even check out the guiding questions for my book, Define Your Why. 
So I hope you subscribe to my podcast because we'll be sharing ideas, stories, and reflections during this crisis. Now we need each other more than ever. All of our stories matter. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.